Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All righty, good Monday morning to you. Hope all is well and hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports or on Facebook at Chatterbox Sports. Please subscribe at the notifications switch to let you know when our clips come out on social media. We can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV. That's Tom Brenneman TV. We're available in podcast form. Many of you are enjoying it via the podcast. So search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you get your podcast, and it will be there. Okay, so here we go. How are you feeling this morning? Tell the truth. This was a game that should have been won, plain and simple. The defense, again, was fantastic. The Ravens scored one touchdown the entire game, one. They kicked four field goals, including one at the buzzer, and win 19-17. That's three losses now where the defense, not the team, not including a pick six, stuff like that, three losses where the defense has allowed a total of 46 points. They ran the ball well last night for the first time all year long. But they didn't run it enough. On their two touchdown drives, they tallied nearly 80 rushing yards. So explain to me, why does the play caller, Zach Taylor, run the ball 20 times? And I'm taking out a Jamar Chase run early in the game. Ridiculous. And three carries by Joe Burrow. And then throw it. 35 times. Why? And what in the world was going on first and goal from the two-yard line in the third quarter? That's what everybody's talking about. What was going on there? The two-yard line. First down, some pass that didn't even break the line of scrimmage. I don't even know who they were throwing it to. They said Hayden Hurst. Second down, a double reverse with Tyler Boyd trying to throw a pass. That's just trying to be cute. It's trying to be smarter than everybody else. We're not going to line up and try to smash you in the mouth for two yards and a touchdown. No, 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 no. We are going to try to look like the smartest guy in the room. Brandon, please continue that. They take a 12-yard loss. A 12-yard loss on a double reverse. Now comes third down. You get a 12-yard completion to the Baltimore two. Fourth down, now it's decision time. Now look, some of the ground rules on this show, I can promise you, I will never second guess. I thought going for it on fourth down was the right call. I know, I get it. If you kick the field goal there in hindsight, they win the game. Nonetheless, they go and that's fine. But then what happened? They try a shovel pass to Stanley Morgan. A lot of smart Bengals fans out there, I'm sure you're completely aware 
that Morgan does not have a single touch on offense this entire year. Not a catch, not a run on offense, not one. And that's the play and the guy you're going to, nothing against him, but that's the play you're going to on fourth and goal from the two-yard line in a divisional game early in the year with first place on the line. Are you kidding me? That's the play you're choosing to run with all of these alleged offensive weapons. And Lord knows, outside of spurts in the Miami game and really only about one opening drive and three or four big plays, this offense is simply not getting it done. Not at all. But that's the play you run on fourth and goal from the two, a shovel pass to Stanley Morgan? Now, look, the season's not over. There's clearly not a great team in this division. There's three good teams, but not great teams. Potentially great teams in there. Baltimore has a potential. I still think Cleveland has a potential. And I think the Bengals have the potential. But these losses hurt. According to Ben Baby just moments ago, who covers the Bengals, he said they are the first team in the history of the NFL to lose three of their first five games on the final play of the game. We're back with more from around the NFL and the world of sports right after this timeout. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Let's shift gears to the rest of the weekend in sports, and we begin in the AFC North. It might have been the worst coach game I've ever seen. And I don't mean to make this Monday of pounding coaches, but did you see the Cleveland Chargers game? Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Browns. Brandon Staley, who grew up just outside of Cleveland. He's a head coach of the Chargers. You start with Stefanski. Nick Chubb is probably the second best running back in the NFL behind Saquon Barkley. He has handed the ball 17 times in the game and rushes for 134 yards. I don't do math in public, but that's eight yards a carry. Backup quarterback, starter for the time being, Jacoby Brissett, throws it double the number of times that Chubb touches it. But the Browns still should have, could have won the game in part two to the decision by Staley. Did you see this? Here's the deal. Chargers led by two points with 114 to go. They have the ball at their own 46-yard line. The Browns are out of timeouts. It's fourth down at your own 46. If you punt, Cleveland naturally has to go three-quarters the length of the field to try and beat you. But no. Staley says analytics told him to go for it. He believes in his players. They throw a pass and fail on fourth down. The Browns get the ball back. They miss a field goal to win it. Game over. Cleveland now 2-3 and three on the year. The Kenny Pickett era officially underway with a huge loss in Buffalo. The Steelers' rookie quarterback throws it 52 times without a touchdown. The Bills hammer the men of aluminum, as we call them here. Not the men of steel, but the men of aluminum. 
38 to three, the final. Pickett throws one interception. He is sacked three times. Steelers now one and four. Can you believe the Bengals lost to that team? That's their only win. Other games of note. Don't look now. The G-Men. The New York football giants are 4-1 and one after stunning the Green Bay Packers in London, 27-22. G-Men outscore the Pack 17-2 in the second half. Arguably the Giants' biggest win in five years. It goes to show as well that stats can be misleading, and we talk about it all the time on this show. Okay? If you just look at the box, Aaron Rodgers throws two touchdowns, no picks. He manages four first downs for that offense in the entire second half, all on one drive. Packers don't look good. They slip to three and two. Dallas also four and one. Cooper Rush is four and zero this season, five and zero as a starter in his career. He does next to nothing on the stat sheet. Throws for a little more than one hundred yards, but he doesn't turn it over. In the NFL, winning is winning. They run the ball, they play great defense, and for the record, the defending Super Bowl champs do not look good. Their season's not over, they're two and three, but Matthew Stafford all of a sudden looks quite old, and they have given up 12 sacks in the last two games. Tell you the team to watch, for me, the 49ers. They massacre Carolina yesterday, and that's not saying a lot, but they go to Charlotte. Their defense is allowing 11 points per game and we said it on this show before the season ever started Jimmy Garoppolo just wins games period he just wins games all right on to the college front whoo it's the way they're feeling in Clifton the UC Bearcats scored a touchdown midway through the fourth quarter held on to beat South Florida 28-24 Cats ranked number 21 in this week's poll they trailed most of the game including the final quarter Big game for Charles McClellan, 21 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. UC goes to SMU next week. Not a good team, not a bad team. But then the big one is the week after at UCF. That's the following Saturday. Is there a better team in the country than Ohio State? I mean, come on. A lot of people around here may not like them. But this team is ridiculous. They have played without the best receiver in college football the entire year. He got hurt the first quarter in the first game. Their first team All-American running back just played in his second game this year. And all they do is score, score, score. The Mighty Buckeyes put up 49 on Michigan State. How about this stat line? And we don't get into stats much, but this one's ridiculous. C.J. Stroud had five incompletions. He had six touchdown passes. Ohio State is off this week before hosting Iowa on the 22nd. Week after that, they go to Penn State. Number 13, Kentucky played without senior star quarterback Will Levis. They started a freshman instead, lost to South Carolina. It's really a shame what's happened to UK because this is a good team. Levis fumbles twice in the red zone in the loss to Ole Miss last week. Then he's out this week, so now it's out of the top 25 for Kentucky. Miami and The Ohio University get wins over the weekend. Bobcats are averaging 34 a game. They put up 55 on Saturday against Akron. A couple of other games of note. TCU remains undefeated after knocking off Kansas, who was undefeated. 
That was in Lawrence, 38-31. College game day went there. Unbelievable atmosphere. So that now sets up the biggest game so far of the year in the Big 12. The Horned Frogs this Saturday host unbeaten and seventh-ranked Oklahoma State. That will be in Fort Worth. Alabama plays without Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, squeaks by AM 24-20. The Aggies had the ball at the one-yard line on the final play, could not put it in the end zone. So that now sets up the biggest game in the SEC so far this year. How about that game this coming Saturday? Alabama goes to undefeated number eight, Tennessee. That's a 3:30 kick, and no word yet on if Young will play. And by the way, UT is for real. The balls go down to the bayou and just destroy LSU, 40-13. to 13. Shifting gears to baseball, playoffs move on to the division series this week. We had three sweeps over the weekend, Guardians, Mariners, and how about the Phillies? Two-game sweep in St. Louis. And then you have the Padres and the Mets, the only series going to a third game. San Diego routes New York. So now it's Cleveland at the Yankees, Seattle at Houston, Philly against Atlanta, and the Padres against the top seed Dodgers. L.A. was 14-5 and against San Diego this year. All right, so you're up to speed on everything. We have Paul Doherty coming up at 1040. We're going to really break down this, um, this Bengals game because, let's face it, it's all everybody's talking about. And I don't want to sit up here and make it sound like uh, I know what to do as a play caller in the NFL. I've been blessed and fortunate and had the opportunity to broadcast the NFL for 25 years. And you just sit in a room and you listen to these people, whether it's quarterbacks, whether it's coordinators, whether it's head coaches, whether it's defensive players, all kinds of people, and you just try to sit there and listen and learn. All right? You listen and learn. And I really have to wonder, fellas, Casey McAllister, Brandon Seho, good morning. Good morning. Good day. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Yeah, it was a really good weekend. Well, your UC Bearcats were lucky to win. Yikes. Yeah. I mean lucky to win. But that's for later in the show. Let's start with the Bengals. Um, They come out. They get a first down on the first drive. Then three more plays done. They second drive. Nothing. Third drive. Nothing. Fourth drive. Nothing. Um, I got to be honest with you, fellas. And Casey, I know you're going to bring this up because we were talking about it before we went on the air, and you have some very very valid points. But when do we stop talking about last year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, Zach just – we talked about how good our offense was deep down the field. We talked about how – we should be a better team this year than last year. And to me, it just seems like there's only one thing holding us back. And there's only one thing that can really change for us to start really putting up points. And that's just offensive play calling. It was a terrible decision right off the bat when we hired him to let him call plays and be a head coach. He had no experience whatsoever. And I get it. He got us to the Super Bowl. But let's be honest here. What actually got us to the Super Bowl was T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd were able to line up one-on-one man coverage 
and just beat their guys head on. Well, and you had a running game. Yeah, you, you had the leading rusher in the AFC. Yeah, and I, I do get that too. But again, we were just beating people head up. Now that the league has had a year to kind of scheme us up and to develop a strategy against our team, Zach Taylor has no idea how to fix it. No idea. He has no idea how to attack cover two with all of our players. This should be a cakewalk. It really should. But something that we've noticed is just their tendencies are too noticeable. It's like every time we run motion with the receiver, we're going to run the ball towards the motion. And that's been like that for five weeks. And teams, instead of playing the run in the middle, they just all commit to the outside off tackle. And it's like, come on. And every time we give a one-on-one -on -one with Jamar Chase, they know Joe's going to throw it to him. And so they might sprinkle in a couple one-on-ones here like five times in a game, and maybe one of those passes is completed. It was different last year when all we were getting was one-on-one -on -one with Chase. All we were getting was one-on-one -on -one with T. But now it's like without, without T. Higgins in our offense, it's – completely inept and look i think everybody agrees and not having higgins uh is is a huge blow there's no doubt about that because you know i know chase got all the pub last year but you could make the argument that higgins is one of the top 10 receivers in the league and he's not even the top receiver on his own team i just keep going back to what happened in the sequence at the two-yard line Brandon, you're sitting there watching, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I am of the age to sound like the old guy get off my lawn, but I've been around football enough and tried to learn from enough people where I understand the evolution of this game. I get it, okay? I really do get it. I may not sound like it, but, but I get it. How in the world... First and goal at the two. Do you not run the ball one time? Quarterback sneak would have worked just fine. How about yeah. three in a row? If you do it first down and you don't get it, you get the one? Okay. It's second and goal from the one. How about do it again? And how about do it again after that? And but like now you're running a double. That, that's what this offense, this offense, is that what it's come to? Seriously. Is that what this offense has come to? That on second and goal from the two-yard line, you're running a double reverse with Joe Burrow at quarterback and you're asking Tyler Boyd to throw the ball? Seriously. The, the play calling by Zach on that sequence of four plays was definitely not his best work. I don't understand why, like you said, first, second down, maybe try to punch it in. If you don't get it, I understand running an RPO or going out of the shotgun and trying to create something for yourself, but it was the, the gimmicky stuff with the Philly special attempt where Boyd's got to throw that ball away. He shouldn't be in that position, but he's got to throw that ball away when that pressure comes. And then you're trying to catch him by surprise again on fourth down with the, with the shovel pass to Stanley Morgan. Go with your strengths. Mixon's having a great game. Um, I, I just – the play calling – 
Zach Taylor is a great motivator. He's helped change the culture down there. The play calling to start the year has not been great, and this has cost him in not just this game, but a couple other games as well. We had Chris Collinsworth as our big interview last Wednesday, uh, and, and quite honestly, I'm shocked Chris did not bring it up during the game last night. Uh, about uh, We asked him point blank if he thought head coaches should be the play callers, and he said he thought it was too overwhelming, it was too much. Now, there are guys that are doing it out there. I mean, look, Sean McVay won a Super Bowl last year. He's calling the plays mm-hmm. in L.A. Okay, so it, it has worked. It's interesting that arguably the best play caller in the NFL – certainly over the last 20 years, does not call plays any longer, and that's Andy Reid in Kansas City. He swears up one side and down the other. Yes, there are times he'll overrule a call from Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, but that Bieniemy's calling the plays. Chris said there was too much going on. The one topic no one wants to talk about, and I'm not there yet, But I went back and looked at the stats from the first five games of the year. And again, I'm not all about stats. But if you're not all about stats, which I'm not, then you got to be all about winning. And again, I'm tired of hearing about last year. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. All right? What is going on with Burrow? Does he look like the same guy to you? In all seriousness, I love Joe Burrow. I think he's he's got a chance to be a great quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback yet. I think he had a great year last year. But I don't think he's a great quarterback. He's right there. Close. Okay? But but anybody who's watched this team this year, at least through five games, he's not the same guy. I don't disagree. I don't think he is the same guy as last year. I think... Part of it, it, a lot of it, has to do with how bad the play calling has gotten. Um, play calling, it, offensive line play at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of it has to do with he's not getting the same looks as last year for one. I mean, he, he's pretty much only seeing cover two. And the offensive play calling has not done him any favors. I'll, I'll put it like that. Yep. Because last year he was just able to put – the ball on the back shoulder throws just like on the dime every time. Now that that's being taken away, we're throwing a lot of flat flats and you know, we're, we're throwing a a bubble screen like six times to Jamar chase. I mean, to me, it's uh, they've limited the offense so much to, try to attack underneath and there's nothing deep down the middle. I don't think we've really hit one play deep down the middle once this year. Not once. We tried. We tried one time with Hayden Hurst down the middle of the field and it was incomplete. And you would think we'd see a lot more of that against cover two. That's the that's their weakness. And in Tampa two, we should be able to run the ball. And well they ran the, the ball okay last night. They did. They, in and, fact they ran the ball quite well last night. They averaged over 5 yards a carry. Again, taking away some of these little, you know, quarterback sneaks and Jamar Chase handle. But the two guys you handed the ball to the most, Mixon and Piran who's really playing well. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, when you when this guy gets playing time, he's done a nice job. But Mixon looked like Mixon last night. Yeah. And I agree with that, but it's when he's under center and they don't 
they don't run a play action pass. And the one time that he does, it's an interception. Yeah. So maybe it's an issue with his skill set that people have just figured him out that he can't look he can't turn around out of out of under center, fake the handoff, and then look downfield. He's gotta see the field back in shotgun or something. I don't know if that's the case. I want to keep an eye on that for later for future reference. But the times that we've run play action, it's worked, except for last night. It turned out to be an interception under center. And I just wonder, you know, like if they figured that out or something. Because, I mean, the tendencies are, are too too noticeable for me. Like like I said before, the motioning, the receiver, anytime Jamar Chase is one-on-one, they're going to him. And this might be something that teams have figured out that Burrow can't turn his back towards the defense. Well, I mean, you wonder if some of that is quite honestly, and we have so many people watching here today and we thank everybody for jumping on and everybody's saying the same thing, Brandon. I mean, they're all saying, could it be? And I think it's a fair question. And we asked this question uh, from Brian Billick, who will be joining us tomorrow, our NFL insider, if quarterbacks can get gunshot. I, I think Burrow certainly coming off the appendectomy and then that offensive line those first two games was gun shy then and he doesn't have that full trust and he won't come out and say that no but he's but he's definitely not comfortable i mean you can see it and then when you have you know some rhythm and then you have a play like lc where lyle collins completely whiffs on a stunt then it goes right back to square one where he can't try he feels like guys are always going to be you know coming for him and it's 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 tough to watch when you have the play. And that's probably why they run some of these screens to Jamar or dump downs where he has to check it down. I mean, he had no passes downfield at all last last night that connected. None. Barely any targets. It's uh, How many times last night, we were talking about this before, I forget the number when you told me. How many times without T. Higgins playing last night, okay, and, and, and Baltimore really focused clearly, every team should be and is, on Chase, uh, but the bottom line is this Ravens defense. Now, I know they had some guys that came back and played last night. If I'm not mistaken, they ranked near the very, very bottom. Bottom the, two the or three bottom. teams passing the bottom. Passing defense team in the NFL. How many times was Tyler Boyd targeted, targeted last night? Four times. Tyler Boyd without T. Higgins is targeted four times in the game. Yeah. Again, like they, they're force-feeding Chase. Mm. And I, I get it. Chase is a great talent, but we don't need to force feed him. We've got other great players. And by the way, Hayden Hurst was great last night. The, some silver lining here. He was yes. awesome. And there was hope for our run game, at least last night. Because the Ravens had at least an average rush def or yes. run defense. So, I mean, the one thing I will say is that Last year, if we want to do comparisons, and I know we're done with last year, but a team who struggled with cover two had a really bad start, Kansas City. They went two and three. They were three and four at one point in the season. Looked like they weren't even going to be in the playoffs. Miserable, couldn't beat cover two. Then all of a sudden they started figuring it out and they were starting to beat people down the middle, crossing. All that sort of stuff. And I expect the same thing from Cincinnati. Well, then that's the challenge. The point you just made, okay? It, that's the challenge then. And we'll use this as a barometer now moving forward. If we're going to reflect back to a team last year that got to the AFC Championship game, 
that going into the season last year had incredible talent, right, at quarterback, wide receiver. They still had Tyreek Hill. Uh, a good running game when they were healthy, potentially. Um, this will be a barometer then that we will follow on this show, okay? If the Chiefs went two and three and then three and four, although, again, if you look at the teams the Bengals have played this year and who was the opposing quarterback of those teams as opposed to the teams the Chiefs played last year, I bet it looks a little bit different. But you can't hang any of this on the defense. No. They because, I mean, these guys, man, they are really, really good. I was surprised. I was genuinely surprised how well we played without DJ Reader. Could you imagine if we did how we probably could have had a great chance of stopping them there at that last drive? Mm -hmm. I mean, they ran it up the middle, um, quarterback power, and were able to get down there to make a field goal. But, I mean, our chances are a lot better with DJ Reader in there that game. Well, there's no doubt about it, but he's not there and he's not going to be there. So, you know, I mean, I, I hate putting it this way, but this was the way Bob Brenly, when he was manager of the Diamondbacks, when people would ask him about – players that weren't there he's like guys I, I i don't mean this in this sort of way he said but those guys basically to me are dead men and please don't take that the wrong way and bob brenley would say that to the press all the time if guys are injured and they're out then it's absolutely senseless and useless to even talk about them it doesn't matter every team in the league has injuries the ravens played last night without their best wide receiver so what could they say should have won by 10, 17, whatever it might be. Everybody has an excuse. Paul Doherty has brought back the morningline.substack.com. He was up very late last night. He's got the morning line lid on this morning along with a hoodie. You wrote the other day, you don't like this time of year, Doc, with the weather. You like the summer days. It's pretty nice out there, though. Pretty nice. Uh, yeah, hard to argue. Hard to argue with the, uh, with the sunshine and sixty to sixty five degrees. Great golf weather, Tom. Yep. And are you still working? By the way, is the course still open? Yeah. Yeah, I worked all weekend. Yeah. All right, cleaning up the carts. You were up late last night, Doc. Uh, you and I were texting a little bit. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I, I, I give me your overall thoughts of what you watched last night in Baltimore. Um, <laughs> how much time you got? I, I, we got I plenty. That that, that uh, Zach Taylor had a bad night, uh, and I don't say that just because he made two ridiculous play calls at the goal line in the third quarter. Um, I, I say it because they, I, I don't know what they were doing in the first half last night before Von Bell's interception kind of woke them up. I'm not sure what they were trying to accomplish. The, the identity of this team uh, right now is, is, I don't know, whatever we can find to work. Let's try to get this guy going. Let's try to do this. Let's try to do that. There's no philosophy. One thing I appreciated about last year's team, and Burrow embodied it, and so did Jamar Chase. Uh, they took what they wanted. There was, there was no talking about, well, we got to take what the defense gives us, or after last night, Burrow, which was astounding to me, kind of went under the radar saying, well, if they're going to play us like, like that, there's not a whole lot else we can do. 
um, wait, wait a minute. Uh, is, is this the guy that I saw play last year? Is this the, the offense that, that for half a year anyway kind of took what it wanted? Uh, even with a bad line, the line's supposedly better this year. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. And they nearly pulled it out uh, and, and might have had it not been for, for uh, Taylor's bad play calling at the goal line. And, and let, me, let me add this. I, I'm not one of those guys, people who've read me over the years, who knee-jerk reacts to, to uh, coaches, managers, whoever, uh, and, and the way that they call games or do things during games or strategies. I, I tend to think that, that a head coach or a manager's biggest job is to set a tone. What we expect here and what we do if we don't get it. Um, make guys want to come in to work happy and loose and wanting to play. Uh, that's far more important, in my opinion, than, than how they manage a game. But But Last night was, was not an example of that. Uh, Zach Taylor did not call a good game. Uh, I think he needs to seriously consider, again, not the first time we said this, may not be the last, uh, relinquishing the play-calling duties. Doc, you and I both know that's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. I mean, look, should it happen? I think everybody agrees that based on what we've seen so far this year, and look, there are a lot of issues here that we can get into uh, but we both know there's no way that Zach Taylor is going to walk into a press conference and announce to the Cincinnati media and the NFL media that he's decided to give up play calling duties. It ain't going to happen. So moving on from there, let's start with the running game. And here's what I don't understand. And, and like you, you just pointed out, the comments made by Burrow, how in the world when for the first time all year long, Joe Mixon is averaging over five yards per carry. Mixon looked like Joe Mixon last night. I thought he ran hard. He ran fast. He made good decisions. He had good footwork. He looked like the player that we're used to watching here in Cincinnati. With that said, take away the sequence down at the goal line. We'll get to that in a minute. But how in the world do you throw the ball more than double the number of times that you ran the ball Watching the success for the first time all year long, you had running the football last night. Well, that's what I'm, kind of what I'm getting at when I say they don't really know who they are now, or who they want to be. Um, they, they spent a couple of weeks trying to get Joe Mixon going, and then last night when he did, he only had 14 carries. Um, yeah, well, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? What are you going to stick with? What works? That that's all part of uh, of an offensive game plan. I don't. I'm with you, Tom. I didn't understand why he only carried the ball 14 times last night, especially uh, when when they were not having much luck throwing a ball downfield. Uh, the Ravens were playing that deep soft zone, uh, and there was no T. Higgins there uh, underneath to to kind of mine that for the gold that it should have uh, produced. But still. You have a running game or you don't. And last night they had a running game. For some reason, they didn't stick with it. So I, I, another head scratcher. You know, I, I sit there, Doc, and, and you pointed out, I, I just sit there uh, no different from the average fan sitting at home watching the game last night, and I look at the sequence on first and goal from a two. And, and you weren't with us yet, but I, I made the comment. Look, I, I know I'm an older guy. But, but I've been around enough football and talked to enough people who know a lot more about football than I'll ever know. And the game may be changing and is changing right before our very eyes, but for the life of me, I just don't understand 
a double reverse and asking Tyler Boyd to throw a pass. And then I don't understand, and you can debate not kicking the field goal. I had no problem with them going for it on fourth down. That's just my opinion. Doesn't make me right. Doesn't make me wrong. You try a shovel pass to a guy that has not touched the ball on offense this entire year when you have allegedly all of these weapons, minus T. Higgins, but all of these other weapons, and you're trying a shovel pass to a guy who hasn't carried it and hasn't caught it through the first five games of the year. Uh, you, you pretty much said it all right there. I, I, I don't understand. The, 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 it seems like people have harped on the shovel pass more than, than, than the, the uh, Philly special, which yeah. I guess was a play Eagles ran in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I thought that was more egregious. I, I think you have a short field. Um, you have a tight end who's fired up, who, who the, the Ravens had drafted a couple of years ago, let go. He was ready to play. You, you always have the Jamar Chase option well, in, in that situation. You have the alley you You have uh, a way to try to get him the ball. And, and instead, you, you run this kind of sandlot ridiculous. I wrote this morning in, in the morning line, it was as if Taylor and his staff got together on Tuesday afternoon in a conference room. Somebody had brought in a big pile of dirt, put it on the table, and, and Zach said, Here, here's what we're going to do. On Sunday night, you know, Jimmy, you hike it to me. I give it to, to Timmy, who gives it to Zimmy, who throws a pass. I, I mean, that's just not a play you call in, in that situation and I, I, for any reason. I mean, that that was, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It may be a, been a case of, uh, of Zach just outsmarting himself. I don't know. You have the ball at the two-yard line. You give it to Joe Mixon three times, and if he doesn't get it, maybe you try something different, or maybe you kick a field goal. Yep. You don't, you don't go all Professor Gadget with with uh, a game on the line uh, by running that play and the shovel pass, which is kind of the the uh, the coup de gras of the whole series. You know, Doc, we wondered after facing some quote unquote backup quarterbacks through the first four weeks of the season, uh, could you really have a true barometer of this defense? Last night they played a real quarterback. Uh, they played a real team on the road. I think it's safe to say, and, and look, there's still a long season to go, but this is a very good Cincinnati defense. I think so. I, um, I, I think they showed it last night for 58 minutes. Um, I have no idea how Mark Andrews was so wide open on that touchdown yep. catch, given that their wide receiver core is, uh, is fairly limited, and their best wide receiver didn't play, and it kind of showed how great Jackson really is when he's working with that crew uh he has to do it even more all by himself it, it was him and, and Duvernay and, and and Mark Andrews but um yeah I, I think this is a pretty good defense and, and there's a decent chance that, that they'll see another backup next week in New Orleans when they play uh, Andy Dalton um okay it, 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 you have to now go back to work today tomorrow whenever they go back to work um Do you get concerned at all, and you've been around sports a long time, Doc, and you know how this stuff starts. It starts with a whisper here. It starts with a comment there. You know, Then all of a sudden it starts to get a little life and a little growth. Do you think there's any danger at this point of the locker room starting to, 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 to get away a little bit from Zach Taylor here? 
Saw the little thing on the sideline last night with Collins. I'm not ready to call Collins a bust yet. We'll get back to that in another time. Um, but, but, you know, are you, you fearful for, of that at all? Not yet. I, the, 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 this division is up for grabs. It's really not very good. In uh, most years, it is pretty good. This is not one of those years. I mean, they're two and three. They lost three games by three field goals at the buzzer. Uh, and they're still only a game back of a team, the Ravens, that really is just kind of okay. Um, I think they have enough leadership in there right now uh, with with Burrow, Mike Hilton, Sam Hubbard, guys like that. I, I, I'm not worried about that yet. I mean, if, I mean that's always a question when, when a team doesn't play up to expectations and flies apart and people start pointing fingers and yada, yada, yada. I have... I don't think I you know they, they play hard last night. Didn't play especially great, but they played hard. Um, it's all still in front of them. Um, I, no, I, that's not a big concern of mine right, right now. Is Joe Burrow a concern for you? In what way? In in just you know he doesn't look like at least to me, um, he doesn't look like the same guy. And I'm not saying that he won't be. I want everybody to perfectly understand that. But I don't think it takes a football road scholar to look at the quarterback position through the first five games on this Bengals team and say it's not been the quarterback that the franchise expected so far through five games. Is that fair? I think sure. I mean, look at the results. Last night they have a, a stat that's air yards per catch or something. That That's the yards – per catch minus the, the the yards after the catch. So whatever the ball goes, travels in the air is what they call it. His air yards per catch last night was under four, which was the worst in, in the league yesterday. And all that means, all that fancy stuff means is that they're kind of perfecting the horizontal passing game. You know, throwing a lot of ball, a lot of dump offs, a lot of side to side stuff, not really going downfield with it. They have yet to to solve defenses that are able to play them the way the Ravens did last night. The Ravens could could get away with it because they got uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, two of the best corners in the game. Uh, I don't know that everybody can do that against them, but you're, but you're right, Tom. It's, it's sort of a sort of a shakedown cruise after the success that they had last year where the adjustments were not made, and they kind of took the league by storm, and now everybody's catching up to them. So it's, it's sort of like baseball. You adjust to the adjustments. It's, it's on Taylor and his staff to, to start adjusting again to what the league is doing to them. Um, I don't know, Doc, to shift gears a little bit here, because I know you, you are a baseball guy and a baseball fan. I don't know how much baseball you watched over the weekend. Um, you know, my son and I, Luke and I, were flipping back and forth a little bit last night. If for no other reason, the drama of an elimination game between the Mets and the Padres, and for those who did not see it, uh, and I talked a lot about Buck Showalter last week. I was around him two years before the Diamondbacks started playing in Arizona. He and I were two of the first 25 people hired by the franchise. I was around him in an office setting. I was around him then when the team began to play. He was their first manager. I think as a manager, he's one of the best out there and has been one of the best for a long, long time. Um, what did you make of him asking the umpires to go out and check Joel Musgrove, the starting pitcher for San Diego, check him for some kind of foreign substance in the sixth inning of a game that they're getting hammered. 
you do whatever you think you can do to rattle a guy and, and, and try to get an advantage any way you can. Uh, obviously, it didn't work. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I would have thought, and this is why I do not bet sports, Tom. Uh, I, I would have thought that you have a Mets team that, that's throwing out there Scherzer, DeGrom, and, and Chris Bassett in a three-game series. You're going to win two of those three games. Uh, that that didn't turn out that way. So I, I don't I don't know. As as to the question, I don't, who knows? Buck Showalter, like you said, is a pretty darn good manager. Yeah. And if he was trying to rattle the other guy, it it didn't work out so well. You know what? You talked about something though. When we had you on last week about uh, about teams getting on a roll, and then all of a sudden they just you know for whatever reason they may not be the most talented team, and it's really going to be interesting now. Um, for Dusty Baker and the Astros, because they are facing a team that is getting on that kind of a roll in Seattle. I don't watch Seattle play a lot, but all I know is that game they came back and won after being down, what, 9-2, to two, whatever it was. Those are the kinds of games and the kinds of moments where, where a team will look back should they continue to win, and it's a tall order to beat Houston. But, but if they continue to win, that all of a sudden has become a dangerous team if you're the, the, the number one seed being the Houston Astros. Yeah, I'm, uh, and, and you might be right. Momentum is, is to me, is only as good as your, your next great start from a pitcher. And, and momentum can die really easily when you're facing Justin Verlander, you know. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. To me, that's what makes – the game fascinating especially this time of year you really don't know it's a sprint now it was six weeks of marathon or six months of marathon where you know losing two or three in a row is no big deal and, and you play for the long haul now it, it's win or else and, and after having said that I thought Scherzer and DeGrom were, were, were going to do the trick for the Mets I'm, I'm going to stick with the pitching I still think that that Verlander and the guys that, that Dusty can run out there in a longer series now instead of three games is five um, should should prevail. But what do I know? Again, like I said, with the Mets, uh, I'm dead wrong. So don't listen to me. Well, I, and then you look at the Dodgers. They were 14 and five against San Diego this year, but now all of a sudden, San Diego, you know, uh, they, they 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 got a good team. Uh, they made a lot of moves, and, and, and that other series is an interesting series. Um, I thought everybody had counted Philadelphia out going into that series against St. Louis. Cardinals were a good team. They're not a great team. Um, and, I mean, Philadelphia took it to them. They did. They did. Nola and Wheeler are, are, to me, both of them better than anybody the Cardinals could throw out there. And I, I, I was, I, I thought Phil, and believe it or not, I thought Philadelphia was going to win the series, um, not because I'm smart, just because I, that was my hunch, and I was right. But um, we'll see. Again, this time of year in baseball is the greatest time. Yeah, it is, and um, and certainly uh, th there's a lot to talk about here in uh, in Cincinnati with this football team. Uh, the Bengals going to two and three, some winnable games coming up, but. You know, uh, they, they've had some other winnable games this year, too, where they did not win. Doc, thanks, as always, for your time. Themorningline.substack.com. Check it out. I can't wait to check it out this morning. I was looking last night in case you changed your mind. I was up well uh, yeah, an hour after the game. I was hoping you were posting. Yeah, I know. I, I, I got up early and, and 
did the best they could. It's up there now. Okay, I'll check it out. And everybody else, we invite you to check it out. Doc, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Tom. You as well. All righty, buddy. Thanks. And um, all right, fellas, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk uh, about um, some of the other things going on around in the NFL and college football. Um, we're going to give our top performers in college and pro football. We're going to give our power rankings now in the NFL after another week in the books and our college football power rankings. Been a little changing there as we've watched these last few weeks. I mean, is there... Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're going to get to our Bengals report presented by Ontour Technology here shortly. Um, all right, boys, let's start in college football. Um, our top five power rankings. And, and look, I said it a minute ago. I, I don't know how in the world anybody does not have Ohio State. I, I don't know what these AP guys and these college, uh, uh, the USA Today, what, what these the coaches are voting, what they're watching. And I'm not saying that Ohio State is going to win the national championship. But after watching Georgia's struggle at Missouri last week, uh, now Alabama did not have Bryce Young, but even with Bryce Young this year, I was looking into this yesterday, they were minus three in the turnover differential with the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, okay? And they were lucky to win on Saturday without Young, but they did win without Young. You give them credit. But I don't know how in the world you put anybody except right now, Ohio State number one. Their defense was awful last year. And they are miles better than they were last year. Now, they get some big games coming up. But Ohio State number one, I still got Alabama two. Go on the road, win at A&M. Georgia three. Clemson four, Michigan five. Now, did anybody see college game day on Saturday? I think that I heard Kirk Herbstreet last year say that you see the tailgate there, the game day show last year was the best one they've ever been to. If there's a close second, it mm -hmm. was Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas. That place was unbelievable. They were fired up. They were fired up. Now, they lose to TCU, but that's not the point I'm making. I almost fell out of my chair when Desmond Howard, did you hear the comment that Desmond Howard made about Ohio State? Uh-uh. I mean to tell you, uh, David Pollard, former Bengal, right, who's on that show, I mean he jumped on Desmond Howard so fast it would make your head spin. We have chronicled Michigan's out-of-conference schedule this year. ESPN does what's called the bottom 10 of college football teams. The 10 worst teams in the country. Three of those teams were the three out-of-conference games that Michigan played this year. Colorado, Hawaii, somebody else. I'm drawing a blank. Desmond Howard had the audacity to say, when is Ohio State going to re-enter and play in the college football world? He chronicled, you know, whoever they played, Toledo and somebody else, whatever it might be. 
And I'm sitting there saying to myself, hold on. They played Wisconsin. And, and Grant, Wisconsin's 3-3, three and three, but it's Wisconsin. Okay? It's Wisconsin. They played Notre Dame, the season opener. And, and, and Pollard jumped on him so fast, make your head spin. I can't believe Desmond Howard would make such a comment. He knows better. He's a smart guy. I think he's, he's good at his guy. job. That, yeah, that's, really I good I on that. the air. Really smart. But, I mean, come on. Maybe he's just saying it to, to get people riled up, and sometimes in television that does happen. Uh, top performers over the weekend. We mentioned C.J. Stroud. Look at that. Five incompletions, six touchdowns. He's not going to get any votes for the Heisman, Curtis Rourke. But th this guy's playing as well as any college quarterback in the country right now at OU. Israel Ibarahanda from Pitt. How about that game? Now, that's a game for a running back right there. That's the old Ron Dane kind of running back. 36, turn around, hand it off to the big fella, and watch him go. Charles McClellan, same thing. 21 carries, 179 and two. And I don't know if you saw this Quentin Johnston. He had 12 catches the entire year coming into the game against Kansas. He made three or four of the most incredible catches I have ever seen a wide receiver at any level of football make in my life in that TCU win. 14 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown. TCU V. Oklahoma State and Fort Worth this weekend. Boys, any thoughts you guys have from the college football world out there? I don't know how much you got a chance to watch because of the bash. We won't call it the Bearcat bash, but the bash, the very successful bash, our inaugural bash for Chatterbox Sports. That was fun. It was, we had, I think at a, we got there to set up at about 6.30, 7 o'clock. I think at 11 o'clock, we probably had what, like 200 People maybe just filtered out through Short Vine. Within an hour, we had, I would guess, two to 3,000 people out there watching the pregame show. And then they stayed to watch the game. We had the, the big LED video board. It was, it was awesome. And they were sticking around because they had a game to watch with UC. I, whew, that was a rough start for the Cats. That's, what were, what were, what were they, 24-point favorites, 27-point favorites? Yeah, 27. One by, one by four. Uh yeah, they, they just they had a case of the Bengals there, starting out slow. Well, the difference is they won. Yeah. They figured it out against a bad team, but we talked about it. South Florida went down to the swamp and played close against Florida. Um, but, yeah, that's my, my takeaway was that game was not a walk in the park like it should have been. Yeah, and I'm kind of excited for the uh, – is it Alabama versus Tennessee? Yep, yep, in Knoxville, I think. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think Tennessee is going to win, but – It'll be interesting what the spread is. I'm probably going to pick Tennessee just because I like Tennessee a lot. I really liked uh, the Volunteers when I was a kid. Peyton Manning fan. So uh, I'm looking forward to them seeing if they're the real deal or not. I mean, they've, they've played some really good games against Florida. Um, they played against LSU. Just your poor LSU Tigers, man. Yeah, not great. No, no go Tigers for now you. That, that, was, that was fun when I mentioned on this uh, at the tailgate show at the Bash on Short Vine. If I mentioned Brian Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> all two 3,000 people just started booing right away. 
you know, Kelly's going to get it together down there. I mean, I, I, look, and again, I know a lot of people around here, the way he left, I totally get it. Uh, but but he's a great coach. He's going to get it together down there. You know, what's interesting is here we are in the college football season, six six weeks in. The three biggest and best conferences in college football, the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, in no particular order, all of them have their biggest games of the season so far this weekend. Mm -hmm. Talked about the Big 12 already, TCU at home against Oklahoma State. Both undefeated, um, TCU up to 12th, whatever they are, uh, and, and Oklahoma State 7th. Uh, we mentioned Alabama going to Tennessee. Two top eight teams, both undefeated. And the one game we've not talked about is in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. Penn State is undefeated. You know how I love my Nittany Lions. And Penn State goes to Michigan. Michigan. This weekend. That is a huge game. Our boy Sean Clifford, game. is he still a starting quarterback? He's still a starting quarterback. In his ninth year at Penn feels State? Feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> and their times their fan base feels like it. But he's been good this year. And they're undefeated. How good they are, I don't know. But they're undefeated. Uh, Michigan, uh, a very balanced team. Run the ball, throw the ball, play good defense. Is um, this Michigan's first-ranked opponent? Yes, by far. In, in the top 100. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the Nittany Lions can just come in there and handle business cuz I I don't believe in Michigan. Um I know what they did last year, but they they had some really really good players on defense and they lost some to the draft. Aiden Hutchinson, Daxton Hill. Um there's a couple other guys. Uh Ojabo, right? The, yep. And I haven't really been keeping track of Michigan this year. I usually do my like my draft research on these guys Michigan. Like, later on in the year. Michigan. But, <laughs> Michigan. But I'm really hoping Nittany Lions, uh, they can take care of business because that would be awesome for them to get a win over Michigan. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, if, if you're an Ohio State fan, and there are a lot more Ohio State fans around here than Penn State or, or, or Michigan fans, but – Ohio State plays at Penn State in two weeks from now. Actually, it'd be three weeks from now because they're off this week. Then they play Iowa. Then they go to Penn State. And naturally, the last game of the year uh, is against Michigan. And this year, that game will be played in Columbus. Um, I don't know. If you're an Ohio State fan, you'd rather play an undefeated Michigan team at the end of the year. Isn't that what you really want yes. at the end of the day? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want, you want to go. You want, you want Penn. You really want, even though you don't say it out loud, you probably want Michigan to beat Penn State. You go in there, you beat Penn State. Not going to be easy beating them in, uh, in, on their home field. Uh, and, but, but then don't you want the setup for college football to be Ohio State, Michigan by that time? You're talking about two of the top four or three or even top two ranked teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, for fans, I'm sure that's what they want. And I wouldn't disagree with that. If I didn't like Nittany Lions, then I'd probably agree with you. I'd want Michigan to remain unbeaten, Ohio State unbeaten, final clash in the year. That sounds like a perfect NCAA setup for Game what year was it when they were one and two? Was that 2007 when they were Ohio State was one and Michigan was two up at the shoe? Uh, yes. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, no, not seven. It, it, no, no, I don't think so. Um, 
It was in the last 15 yeah. years, it I know. Where yeah, it was, yeah. Something like that. The, the other one was a few years ago. I went to the game two years ago where Urban ran it up on him. You know, all the stuff going on with him and Harbaugh, and he decided, we're, you know, we're, we're going to try to score 70. <laughs> they might do that this year. Not again. They won't score 70 against Michigan. Not this year. Hey, we've got our adult dating site back on our <laughs> – they're, they're showing up now. Did somebody say that means you made it? Someone said something like that, that we're big leaguers. Yeah, if, if we, we made it. If we made it. You know, I, I want to give, uh, give credit, uh, while we have a second here, to you two guys, to uh, everybody um, here at Chatterbox Sports. You know, every now and again, when you're a small, basic startup, and we're not in startup stage at Chatterbox. We've been doing high school football here for a long time, the college game day show. Uh, high school football every Friday night. But now we're venturing into some other things, whether it's this show, Brandon, your show's coming up, Paul Fritchner's show um, with Not Too Picky, which is coming up later on today, um, and, and then venturing into things like the bash, not the Bearcat bash, but the bash, where for those of you that don't know, and I, and I was working out early Saturday morning, and uh, a guy where I go work out was in there, and he's been a UC, he was a UC alum, uh, he's in his 70s now, and he's had season tickets since he was a student, and he's kept them the entire time, through the good times and the bad times. I mean, the good times when, you know, uh, D'Antonio's there and, uh, and, and Brian Kelly's there and, and you know, the not-so-good times, um, you know, Tommy Tuberville. Senator Tommy Tuberville. Right, and, and now coming back again to Luke Fickle. But this guy goes to every game. And, and we're in there working out, and, and, uh, and I had asked him, I said, hey, are you going to stop by – uh, the Bash Today by Chatterbox Sports. He had no idea what I'm talking about. And look, that's on us to get the word out. But we would appreciate, um, you know, starting to share some of the things we're trying to do. Um, on Friday night, and, and, and we don't have a lot of people working around. How, how many employees do we have here? Eight, ten? Seven. We eight. have eight. We got Sean. You got Sean, you got Paul, <laughs> you got Trace, you got Reed, you got the three of us. That's eight. That's eight, That's eight. right? And, and then some people who, yeah, we, have, we bring right. in, you know, to, to do yeah. the games. Okay, but here's the, here's the deal. On Friday, Chatterbox Sports um, did the game at Fairfield, double overtime thriller. Against right, That was a good yeah. game. Lakota West uh, stays undefeated, second-ranked team in the state behind only Moeller. Um Setting up for game day, huge set, video board, running cable, all this sort of stuff, okay? The game is over, double overtime. So now you're well after 10.30 before you're able to start breaking down, 11 o'clock. You got to pack all that stuff up and start now the process of getting it all reset up on short vine on a Friday night. And an early Saturday morning, you mentioned getting there at 6 a.m. So we get the high school thing going on Friday night. Saturday, it's the first time we've ever done this Bearcat Bash. Bash, the, the bash, bash. Forgive me. And you hosted that with Tony Pike. We had a lot of other people from UC that came in. Um, DJ Train was there, right? The whole nine yards. Yep, DJ Train. Um, DJ was, Hope was there too. Yeah, he was there really was good. There's a lot going on, but the point is, 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 is the turnaround is like a three hours of sleep okay and it's set up 
it goes from 10 in the morning till technically 10 o'clock at night. Now you start breaking everything down. You guys got out of there at what time Saturday night? I would say probably like 11.30. Okay. 11.45. And you got to give Trace credit for Trace Fowler, our founder. I mean, there's a lot of big events that happen in Cincinnati. I, I don't know any that have thousands of people that show up where one guy is responsible for all those permits. Yeah. All the, you know, the beer trucks, the, yep. you know, yeah. getting us organized to set up. And I mean, it was a hell of an effort. Obviously we had some permit issues earlier on in the year and he figured it all out. And I mean, yeah. and the, when, when those big 12 games happen next year, this event's going to be yeah. you see bigger fans, and better. If you enjoyed that, thank Trace Fowler. Go search him on Twitter. He's got a lot of good stuff on there too. Give him some love. We're going to come back next year, bigger and better. It was incredible. Our goal this year was to have that forever UC home football game this year. That was the goal when the year started. But then you run into all kinds of you know issues and you know we, we all right. Um, but permits, bathrooms, security, all these kinds of things. The, the business guild, we thank them. Uh, they're on short vine. But 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 getting back to Chatterbox Sports. So we're trying here. To make some of these events that you go to, whether it's your kid, your grandkid, um, your fellow students for high school football games and the presentation of high school football games and the game day show, trying to make it better. You see, trying to make the whole experience of a game day a little bit better by creating the bash, which we hope to have in earnest and full speed ahead, looking into 2023 and, and moving into the Big 12. And then there's the pro thing where we do uh, a tailgate before the Bengals game. It started down at Longworth Hall. Brandon, you're the mm -hmm. host of that. Yep. But now it's moved next to more lines. Yeah. The, For the rest of the year, is that right? We're working out the details. We're hoping to do more tailgate. It's kind of like the, the bash. We're working out. This is kind of our trial run year. But we have moved up towards the logger house at the banks, the Moorline logger house, great location, lawn, stage, you know, the big jumbotron. It's been super fun. But speaking of the NFL... We have some breaking NFL news during off the bench. Matt Rule fired by the Carolina Panthers one minute ago. I'm not surprised. No. No. I'm not surprised. You know, I had a chance uh, to, to do a lot of Panther games. Um, the first year of the franchise. Um, and they were playing down at uh, the Clemson Tigers Stadium while they were building uh, the stadium in Charlotte. And... Um, and, you know, what, what, the second year, both teams, expansion teams, second or third year, if I'm not mistaken, both the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were coached by Tom Coughlin, right? Mm -hmm. Both of them wound up going to the championship games of their respective conferences. Uh, they love their football down in Carolina. And, you know, Jerry Richardson sold the team. Um, but, man, they got to find a way to get it together because that's a good football town. Yeah. So who's taking over? Don't know that yet. Yep. Okay. No details yet. Okay. So he's gone. They were just annihilated yesterday by the 49ers. And it looked like a Niners home game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Panthers were pretty miserable under Matt Rule. I think I, if I'm uh, remembering this correctly, he was the Baylor yes. head coach. Yes. Yeah. I mean – not, I'm not a 
this is probably going to sound way out of left field, but defensive coaches in college that come over to play in the NFL generally don't do very well. And I don't have a bunch of stats to back that up, but just from recent memory, they usually just kind of flame out or they just kind of go south or they do what Matt Rule did and have a bunch of terrible seasons back to back to back. Well, look, there aren't a lot of college coaches, period, that you can say have had a lot of success of NFL coaches. I mean, the, the, the best uh, right. of the guys off the top of your head, Jimmy Johnson, uh, obviously, Pete Carroll. But Carroll had coached in the pros before he went to USC and then came back to the pros. Steve Spurrier did not do well. Urban w was there a year. Saban. Not even a year. Saban. He was gone. Uh, Nick Saban didn't do it. Steve Spurrier did not have success uh, after great success at the University of Florida. Uh, Jim Harbaugh would be a college coach who mm -hmm. did quite well in the NFL and I think will end up in the NFL again. And Kingsbury's kind of on the hot seat, too. They're two and three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My dad lives out in Arizona, and he says those fans are—they are not happy with that franchise. The yeah, last my father-in-law—I've said my wife's born and raised in Arizona. Uh, her family's been there for 45 years. Uh, I lived out there for a long time. You talk about an incredible football town. Mm -hmm. I mean, they love their football team. And hey, this thing has gone south from the beginning with Kyler Murray, going back to when he signed the contract. Um. One other issue I want to ask you guys about uh, and get your thoughts about, and we're stepping away from the whole football thing here for a second uh, before we circle back for our last 20 minutes or so and go into the, um, picks. Uh, our picks. Did you see the Draymond Green thing? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just okay, so I read this article yesterday on The Athletic. It was a fabulous column, and I'm sorry I'm not going to remember who wrote it. Um, but in this column, and I've never responded to a column in the comment section of any kind in my life, but I'm reading this column yesterday, and the column makes reference to what a great teammate Draymond Green has been during his career with the Warriors. Now, do I believe you want him on your team at the end of the day, like the old Jack Nicholson, right? right? Yeah. You want me on this side of that wall, right? You probably want Draymond Green on your team. Mm -hmm. And he's been a really good player, and he's helped lead that franchise to multiple NBA championships. Can't be denied. I don't think the guy seems like a bad guy. I think he seems like a pretty good guy, truth be told. But there's definitely a screw loose. And you can also make the argument that he's not been such a great teammate in other regards because he's getting thrown out of big games, right, for silly stuff. He's missing games when he's getting suspended. He's missing minutes. He's, he, they're, they're, without a doubt, there have been times he's cost them wins. Um, what do you do? With, with Draymond Green, you know, I mean, Steve Kerr's got an opinion on everything else going on in the world. And he got mad initially about somebody leaking the video. That was their biggest concern with the Warriors, that somebody inside the organization leaked the video. Well, they're getting paid by TMZ. Of course they're going to leak it. Like that, that happens with everything. I, I don't watch the NBA enough. I don't. I. I mean, I'm not an NBA fan. 
uh, growing up. Well, in for Cincinnati. this show, you better start watching it because I got to start watching it too. So all of us better all start right. watching I, it. I wa- there are going to be some lean days in this I'm studio sure. in, in I, December I, and January. I watch it casually, but when you grew up in Cincinnati and you don't have an NBA team and you got a great college town with the Bearcats and yep. Musketeers, just kind of fades out for me. But I don't know what Poole said, but I mean, he full out knocked him out, right? I mean, yeah, it, that right. was. The video doesn't look good. You don't know the whole situation, but that's, yeah, uh, it was not a good look for Draymond. You know, funny enough, I thought I remembered this, but this isn't the first time he's assaulted someone. And uh, he had a a plea deal in 2016, from what I can see here, just doing some quick researching. But, man, that video, uh, that is not a good look at all. I know he's been kind of known for being a physical player. Um very uh very tough nose kind of gets away with some cheap shots like you said gets ejected from games you want him on your team sort of sort of player but you can't have a teammate almost knock out someone else on your team right that's just not a good look and what's funny to me is like that sort of personality has been there for a while and they, I like you wonder about all the other close infractions that could have happened. I don't know. It's it's a tough. It's a tough look. I don't know if he's gonna be suspended by the team. Probably should be. Well, but. he's got to. I mean, he, he's he, he's he's stepping away. He did say there were some things in his personal life which have him on edge. And I think everybody can appreciate things in their personal life that carry into work from time to time. Not necessarily punching somebody in a workplace, but especially a, a, a co-worker in this case, uh, in pool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have to suspend it. They have to. Um, I just... What was Poole's Boy, that reaction? was a brutal punch. What mm-hmm. is Poole saying? Has he said anything No, yet? I don't think he said a word. Um, I don't even know if the guy can talk. Um, and he's up for... He is up for a huge contract. Now, I have no idea if this affects him in the, in the long haul from a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint. I don't know. Um, but I do know there have been a lot of people, whether it's you know, walking down the street and all of a sudden you, know, you get hammered in the mouth and all of a sudden now you've got problems with this and that and everything else. Do you just hope and pray that's not the case? Because Draymond Green's about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, goes about 230, 240. And when that guy rears back and unloads and pops you right in the mouth, that is some serious force. Yep. Um, so I hope the kid's all right. Um, couple of things being on Twitter for the first time now. And Brandon, you've got me, you know, doing this and tweeting during the games. You know, a couple of interesting things. And look, there are a lot of people out there. They're going to go back to the same tired, you know, uh, no zero creativity. They'll go back to the same stuff that happened two years ago. And that's fine. God bless you. I don't, I don't, it's gotten to a point who cares. But, uh, you know, a couple of people were, were keep, keep going back to when I made the comment about the, the, the Bengals not being ready to play from the start of football games under Zach Taylor. Go back and look at last season. Did Joe Burrow up until the playoffs not have six come from behind fourth quarter or overtime wins last year? Is that right? I think so. Okay. I think about so right. don't tell me about, you know, last year and what about last year and what about last year go look at last year the game when they piled up 500 yards of offense against the ravens correct me if i'm wrong 
about 375 of that came in the second half of that game, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, so listen. Just go back and look, okay? We're not making stuff up here on the program. Just go back and look. They had to rally to win multiple times during the regular season. They had to rally to win in the postseason. It is a fact. They rarely ever, the last two weeks, games they won, first drive of the game, they take the ball, they go down the field, they score touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yesterday they get the ball first. By the way, I never heard. Did they win the toss last night? I uh, I did not join All in. All Mike Tirico said it. was the Bengals get the ball first. I was curious who won the coin toss last night. Maybe somebody watching, and we have records numbers watching today. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, just, just go back and look at this stuff and quit telling me about last year. I'm just so tired of hearing it. No, I agree with you. I think we have we have five games. We have enough of a sample size to tell you that this is a second-half team, and they're struggling on offense, I mean, on all phases. And it's different every game because every team has different strengths and weaknesses, and Zach Taylor just can't figure it out. He just cannot figure out what he needs to do in the game in that moment. Joe Mixon... Only getting 14 carries, unacceptable that game. Last week, or two weeks ago, um, Tyler Boyd and uh, no, the Dallas game, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins not getting a single target in the first half, unacceptable. There's just so many things that he's doing that just stretch all around. Like, there's not just one thing. It's like, oh, our passing game's weak. It just, our offense is just not able to mold. It's not able to adapt. And that's on coaching. That's that's on Zach to figure out a game plan where we can attack all phases of the football. Like, it, anyways, past that, I would also like to mention FCC won, so they got in the playoffs. You're right. I failed. Congratulations. They, that is really quite a turnaround. Yeah, they won five to two. By the way. Yeah. Their offense is on fire. In fuego. Fuego. You, now, when was that game played? Sunday. Yes, Sunday at 2.30, I think. Okay, so were you dialed into that entire game? Uh, I was actually asleep. I was so tired from yeah, the Bearcat right, bash. Right. But I, the bash. I, the bash. The bash. The bash. But uh, I did uh, go ahead and like look at the review of it. And, I mean, it was 1-4 to four going into half. I mean, they clearly wanted the game bad. And uh, hats off to Vasquez. Brenner and Acosta, those guys just been carrying our offense mm-hmm. all season long. Um, they're they're in a good spot. They're in a really good spot. So when do the playoffs start next week? Uh, that's a well, good. No, in soccer, might they have, might have a month before they play again. I think it's next. Is it next week? Ten fifteen. Yeah. Ten fifteen. Five days. Yeah. Five, Five days. days. Playoff start. Who are they playing? Does New York say? Red Bull. Okay, New York Red Bull. And I assume that's going to be on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that a best of or is it just single game? Single. Single. Okay. So we wish FC Cincinnati all the very best. That's owned by the Linder family, and the Linder family owns UDF. Yeah. And by the way, not to bring up bad karma or anything, but, oh, here we go. but FCC has been known to be one and done in playoffs in the past before they made it to the MLS. 
and their other league. Well, they also won the USL Cup, didn't they, they? They did one time, but I'm just saying, like, they have a reputation of of some time. Well, the turnaround's been incredible. With all the turnover they had at head coach and the losing for three straight years, now to Albright's the GM, coach is Pat Noonan, and they've got things rolling. Yeah. Okay, it says here that, uh, that yeah, Saturday the 15th, FC plays uh, at noon against the New York Red Bull, right? Or is it just New York Red Bull? What is New it? York Red Bull. Okay. Um, okay, boys. Oh, boy. Things are tightening up in yes. the land of Oz. And yep. we're talking about our picks. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, on the show tomorrow, we'll continue to break all this stuff down. We've got Brian Billick's going to join us tomorrow uh, to talk about some of the things happening in the NFL and especially some of these coaching decisions. And we love picking Brian's brain. I mean, he won a Super Bowl uh, as head coach of the Ravens. Coached there nine years, got to the playoffs six times. Um, and we're hoping to check in with James Rapine. He was traveling back today. He does not fly with the team. Mm -hmm. So he's flying back. Um but, you know, before we get to the picks, though, you have some comments that were made by Zach Taylor after the game last night. Is that correct? We yes. do. All right. This is brought to you by Encore Technologies, our Bengals report. This was after the game last night with Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. It's a tough game. I mean, that's the way these, these AFC North games are going to be, especially on the road in these types of atmospheres. Really proud of the way the guys fought. Um, I thought the defense played well from start to finish. You know, and, and obviously we'd like to get a stop on that last drive, but um, they did a good job against a really explosive, tough offense. Really, the offense kind of gave them the three points there to start the second half with, with the turnover, and then they did a good job holding, and then they kicked the long field goal. Um, but the defense fought, and the offense found the rhythm. Um, really, you know, the last – we only got two – we had the turnover on the first play and then two possessions in the second half. And so it just goes to show you how quickly these games can go when, when you're facing a team that can eat up the clock like that. We ate up some clock, too, with our long drives, and – um, so it's tough, you know, it's tough to, to, we've, we've lost three games now in the last play of the game. That's why I told the guys, um, we just got to keep, keep taking our shots and these things have a way of bouncing themselves out. And we're going to get some of these wins in this situation. Zach, can you, can you take me through the four plays down by the goal line a little bit, the thinking? Yeah. You didn't run it at all. It's a tough front. I mean, it's, it's a really tough structure of the front. Um, so we felt good about some of the stuff we, we call, obviously didn't work. We took a sack on a, on a specialty play. Um, and then just didn't quite uh, get it how we wanted to on the, on the shovel there on the fourth down play. But uh, felt comfortable with, with our package going in. It just, uh, obviously, when it, when it doesn't work, it's, you wish we would have done something different. Did you feel like that's because the next time down, it was much more direct handoff to QB sneak? Did you feel like you learned something from those? They just try to shove it in there? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the game plan. You're, you're preparing versus fronts. You're seeing what other teams have done, and you're seeing why they've had success. And, and, um, it wasn't really because teams were running downhill. It was, it was kind of getting stuff on the perimeter, and, and we tried that. It didn't work for us, and then, and then it did once we got Joe on the one play downhill, and then we snuck it out on the next play. Okay, so those are the comments made by Zach Taylor. The Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop, to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. We invite you to visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here.
I will give whoever asks those questions a lot of credit because we live in, and we all agree with it. Look, and I mean, I was part of it too, so I'm not sitting there blaming somebody else. I mean, I was part of a quote unquote soft media in this town. I mean, if that's New York or Philly, and I don't want to be in New York or Philly, I'm glad we live here. But there would have been a lot more challenging some of those answers. I just don't know how Zach Taylor looks in the camera, or in this case, looks at somebody and says, we felt comfortable, or whatever his words were there, about those play calls, the specialty play. A trick play? I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop because I don't want to turn this into – killing Zach Taylor, because I still think their team is going to win the division. I really do. I really do. Um, I think they're better than Baltimore. I think they're better than Cleveland. But something with the offense has to change, whether that's just simply playing better, calling games better, whatever it might be. But I don't want to hear about specialty plays on second and goal from a two. I don't want to see them. And neither does anybody else. Neither of the guys in that locker room, they don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see a shovel pass to a guy who hadn't caught a pass the entire year on fourth and goal from a two-yard line. They don't want to see it. Just turn around and hand the ball off. These catchphrases in football, downhill run. How far downhill are you running from two yards out? How far downhill is that? This isn't a nine-yard gain. This isn't a seven-yard gain. This isn't a 14-yard gain. This is a turnaround and hit you in the mouth. Three straight plays from the two. And see if you can't get two yards. And if you can't get two yards, then that's not the coach's fault. That's directly the player's fault but instead of giving the players a chance to make a play and win the game and score the touchdown, the coach wants to take it upon himself to call specialty plays and shovel passes to a guy who's not touched the ball all year long. We're back in a minute. All right, we're back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. A little bit of a rant there. I'm trying to calm down. Because I, I still really do believe the Bengals are going to win this division, especially with that defense. And I'd like to think the offense will come together. Tell you who's coming together. Yours truly. For those of you just joining us for the first time, and, and literally hundreds upon hundreds joining us by the day. And we thank uh, all, all the regulars here that have been on today. Um, Tomas, Andrew, we thank you. Jimmy Lewis said he loves a fire. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, KC, by the way, says uh, chill with the dating site. This is the Brenneman Show. No <laughs> lack of dates for anyone here. <laughs> um, let's see. Alex says, hey, Ravens won. They won. They won the game. Uh, the Rams, by the way, are the only team in the NFL worse than the Bengals are right now in yards per play. Hmm. Who would have thought that, boys, when this season began? 
Um, AJ says, Tom, why are you such a Buckeye slappy? Didn't you go to Ohio University? I did, but I grew up in Ohio. And I love the Buckeyes, and I love the way they play. I love the way they play. They take it to people. They put up a stat in the game Saturday, which I, I couldn't believe this. I think we all agree. Michigan State is not a top 20 football program, but they're a top 30, top 35 college football program in the country. You know who scored a touchdown the last time Ohio State lost at Michigan State? At Michigan State. Plaxico Burris. Whoa. <laughs> now, is that not an unbelievable stat? That is crazy. That is unbelievable. The last time Ohio State lost at Michigan State, Plaxico Burris had one of the touchdowns in the game. So, AJ, look, um, I just like the way they play. They smash in the mouth. When Trestle was there, smash in the mouth. Urban was there, took it to a whole new level. I don't care if you like Urban or not. Smash you right in the mouth. Play Alabama, it, Ezekiel Elliott goes for 250, whatever it was, right? And now Ryan Day... I think for the first time since the Michigan loss last year, I'd love to get him on the show, something has changed with Ryan Day. I think there were times he got too cute. But since that Michigan loss, something changed. We're going to get him on this show. We got a big guest. Check we in on the, on, the YouTube, on the YouTube chat. Susan McAllister checking in for the first time really? watching the show live. Wow. Do you know who Finally this is, Casey? getting to see the show for the first time live. Love it. Yeah. Hey, Mom. <laughs> there we I go. Made it. Mom, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, oh, yeah. And somebody commented about me uh, shaving. Thank God. Yeah. How about that? Oh, boy. You didn't like, like shaving the new the, man. You didn't shave in like the, the half halftime, did you? Oh, shaved, he shaved I, yesterday I shaved, morning. I shaved before the game. I knew. Oh. Yeah. I, I, Friday, I walked out of here and I went to work out. And I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. And I have OCD to the umpth degree, okay? But, you know, so it took a lot for me to shave that off, uh, knowing what we got going on here. But I'm just like, I'm tired of looking at it. My daughter was coming in town for the weekend. What's her dad trying to look good? Um, let's go to the picks. Okay. Let's go to the picks. Here we go. So, uh, again, for those of you just joining us, including Susan McAllister for the first time, uh, $1,000 minimum to the winner, overall winner in picks this year to their charity of choice. So, we start with UC. Yes. Casey and I had a feeling the Bulls would cover, thought UC would win. That number was too big. Brandon? Not great. At least they won. They at almost least did. They won. And we had a great time at the bash. That's yeah. right. And we're happy that UC won. So, wins right out of the gate we all said Buckeyes would cover 27 wasn't enough it wasn't enough Ohio State rolls Michigan State winners across the board all right Kentucky Brandon you bounce back here the Gamecocks coming up big I wish I would have uh, known for sure that uh, the coach or, I mean the quarterback was not going to play yeah that was rough but we, we did well the rest of the time, so yes, that's okay. Okay. All right. So there we go. We're even so far today. We all picked the Bobcats, and they cover. 
homecoming weekend. It's finally a pick for me that that one with the Bobcats. So. Believe me, there are going to be a lot more coming. <laughs> coming. All right. Heard Ryan Day's leaving Ohio State to, to go, go to Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, I picked Alabama uh, again. Uh, I knew that Bryce Young was a game time decision. I rolled the dice. You two guys went with A and M. Congratulations. By the way. I mentioned that for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm actually trying to engage a little bit on social media. My son jumped my ass last night about looking at Twitter a lot during the game, and I found myself saying, you know what, this is why I'm glad that I was never on it before, because I'm reading this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, it, can, it can really overwhelm you, and, and i got to get back to, to getting off of it. Um, but it's good for the show, I think, and so you know, we're, we're doing it for that. But one of the things that popped up on the screen did oh, yeah. you see the comment made by Johnny Manziel, former Texas A&M Heisman, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback? Did you guys see that? I did not, but we're looking it up right now. Yeah, no, we Tom and Tom and I. I almost just called you Tommy. Tom and I were talking about it earlier, and I saw it as well live because he was critiquing the A&M game. Here we go, and it's it's the play call on the one yard line, chance to win the game and beat yeah. Alabama. One of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. You have one play to beat the number one team in the country, and that's what we run. Next tweet. Every single practice, you have a goal line period and practice these types of situations. That's a joke of an ending for the Aggies. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think when they threw that pass and they were at the one-yard line, I don't think the receiver was actually in the end zone, even if he would have caught it. I don't know if it would have been a Yeah, I got to look at it again. I but. don't know. But anyway, so it was, it was, it was a brutal call, Manziel. Um, Johnny Manziel. He had, his, his coming out party was that Alabama game however many years ago. That's right. Where they, they beat him in College Station. It's not gone well since. No, no. Okay. Um, what else did we go with? Is that it in the college game? No, we, we got, got a couple, Oh, couple we more. took the volunteers, and Brandon went with his second favorite team. Tigers. 40 to 13 Whoa. in it's such a hard it's such a hard balance between rooting for LSU and not rooting for Brian Kelly. This one was not one of those times. No, it was it was I rough. mean right from the get-go, LSU I think fumbled the opening kickoff. I don't know, I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, they but did. They fumbled the opening kickoff and it was all They fantastic. didn't win. Uh okay, TCU across the board. Horn Frogs 6 and a half. They win by 7. On they go against Oklahoma State, both undefeated this weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, the one thing I do want to say about this game is Kansas actually put up a pretty good fight. Yes, they did. So keep a lookout for them maybe in the future. Are um, they so, a young team? Yeah, I mean, they really played well. Um, it, it was a very – the first half it was weird because uh, TCU, I think, was the second highest scoring team in college football. Uh, Kansas was ninth or 10th. And the first half was like 10 to 3, and you're thinking, man, this is kind of boring. We had a whole family over at the house, daughters in town, old deal. And then the second half, it was just back and forth, typical Big 12 game, very exciting, and um, good for both teams. Are we on to the pros now? We are. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Who won this one? You did. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, LA won the game, but it was 30 to 28. And we, oh. we picked a two-and-a-half-point spread. So even if we picked the, the spread when it was finalized at two, we would have lost to the push. So, Okay. 
So, okay, I, I luck into one there. Uh, Brownie should have won that game. Buffalo just Oof. massacres the men of aluminum. Good choice by all of us. Yeah, good choice. Easy choice, quite frankly. That might have been one of the easiest games to pick all year long. Yep. Uh, we all lose here. Yeah, that one was surprising. Go pack. Never Fellas, mind. we're going to get to the power rankings and the pros in a minute, but how much stock are you putting in the New York football Giants? Their only loss is to Dallas. Not much, honestly. The Packers are, like Roger said, they're not going to be able to win consistently with the way that they're playing. They just It's more of a statement about the Packers than it is the Giants to me. The Giants are significantly better, but I don't think that they can compete for like a championship. I think the Packers could eventually get it together and compete for a championship. They got enough talent. They just got to get it together. They're kind of like the Bengals in that way where there's just something off and they can't seem to figure it out right now. I'm not worried about Rodgers. He'll be fine. The Giants, however, good job for this one win. You deserve it. Let's go on to the next one. Sometimes it's the mojo, fellas. First-year coach. Remember the opening weekend? We called it the, the ballsiest coaching decision of the weekend mm-hmm. on the road at Tennessee. It's true. Right? Yeah. They go for it on fourth down, go for the win. They get it. They have uh, beaten Carolina. That's not saying a lot. Carolina firing its coach today. They lost by Dallas uh, by a touchdown. Uh, they beat Chicago. Now they beat Green Bay. And look, coming off the kind of season they had, you look at their schedule. Um, they, they've got to play uh, Baltimore next. That's an interesting game. Baltimore at the Giants um, next weekend. That's his coming Sunday. They go to Jacksonville, who completely laid an egg. Uh, as we told you, you guys got all worked up about Jacksonville. I, uh, I mean, completely laid an egg. Um, that was mainly me. But yeah, I was saying, I, I'm okay. never going to believe not, in not Jacksonville. You, I apologize, Brandon. Thank you. Okay. What's next? Cowboys. All right. Now, what to make, Brandon, you take the L here. What to make of the Dallas Cowboys? Keep a rush. Keep them in. Yeah. I mean, that loss, when the Bengals took that loss uh, week two, it's not looking as bad as it was uh, at the beginning. They, they're looking like a really good team. I mean, Cooper doesn't turn the ball over, and they play really good defense and have a good run game. So that's a good good formula to win ball games. I mean, you look at their the, – the, now, Dak started the season opener, breaks his thumb. The offense, even with Dak Prescott, looked awful in that season opener in the loss to Tampa Bay. That was a home game. They beat the Bengals then with Cooper Rush taking over. They go to New York. They beat the Giants. They win by two touchdowns plus against the Commanders. And then they go to L.A. against the defending Super Bowl champions who have their problems, but they come away with a win. It's a big-time win. All right. Bengals uh, across the board. Uh, We win only because they they cover. You'd rather lose and them win. Right. Okay. Is that it? That is it. All right. So let's add them up, boys. Read them and weep. Where are, oh my. Big oh jump. Oh my. All Big of a jump. sudden, look at Casey, 38 and 21. That is getting it done. He needs to go to Vegas. You, both of you, went nine and three this week. I went seven and five. Tom finally above 500. I told you. Gave you the analogy last week. I won't repeat myself, but where the Buffalo Roam. A very famous Bill Murray movie. You got Not it. Not a very good one. 
But, um, okay, the race is on. A um, five-game lead over Brandon for Casey. Uh, and he leads me by six. I'm right on Brandon's heels for the second spot. One game back. Oh, my. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. All right. Uh, what do we have for the cherry on top here, boys, presented by United Dairy Farmers? Well, we have the greatest uh, penalty call for roughing the passer. Um, oh, is this the Tom Brady thing? Yes. Take definitely. a look at this, folks. You be the judge. Is this roughing the passer? Absolutely not. Detroit. Tom Brady on third down. Scans the field and gets sacked. Brady Jarrett brings him down. But then a flag flies. A flag comes out at the end of the play. Oh, my goodness. This is going to go on Atlanta. Breaking Falcons' hearts. See, if you notice, the announcers there are saying this is going to be against Atlanta, breaking Falcons' hearts. They're not even contemplating. Can you turn this back up? Yeah. Watch the replay, too. I mean, holy cow. It ends the game. All the way from here. Watch him come all the way around. Now he's going to be down onto the hips of Tom Brady while he's in pursuit. So he's spinning around, too. There's no intent to hurt the quarterback right there. You can see Tom's reaction. Brady even kicks him. There's been a couple of calls here in this situation for, for Atlanta to hold on. I just don't know how you call that. That is not in the spirit of the rule, the way it was created to protect quarterbacks going to the ground. That's one of the, like the best analysts on television for the better part of 25 years in, in, in Moose Johnston, Daryl Johnston, former Cowboy great. Uh, and, 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 and look, I'm going to tell you, this is what we get for all the people mortified, horrified, so on and so forth about the Tua thing, rightfully so. But this is what happens now when you want to start carrying it too far. That, that, that is a brutal call. Mm -hmm. All right, fellas. Good day today. Um, I'll do my best not to be so emotional about this football team. I'm sorry <laughs> to both of you. Please forgive me. Uh, I apologize to all of you out there if I got a little too emotional. I, I, I'm like you. I want to see them win. Um, and um, they didn't. And thank so. you for the record crowd today. Yeah, record crowd. Thanks for everybody out there. And please continue to we, – I sincerely mean it. Uh, we're, we're trying to do a lot of good stuff here at Chatterbox. Even if you don't agree with the opinions on the show, Casey's opinion, I mean, why would you agree with either one of them on, on many things, including their picks? Um, but, look, you, you have to agree with me. But, but let, let, let's try to lay everything out there and, 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 and see where we are, okay? So we're back at it tomorrow, 10A. Gentlemen, have a great rest of your day. Of course. Adios. See you tomorrow.